Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Marco from Goal Fitness by Marco in Ohio. What's up, Marco? How are you today? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump right into the details here. How did you get started in fitness? What is it that made you want to do your own thing, run your own business? Uh, the story is long, but the short version is, is I began as a wrestler in junior high. And uh, one of the fellow friends that were wrestlers was really muscular at that early age. And it just intrigued me how cool that looked. And uh, so I started lifting at that early of an age. And uh, after I got through high school, I ran four years of high school cross country varsity, but they nicknamed me Flex because I was a muscular distance runner. And uh, that's after different. Got, <laughs> yeah, that, it, it seemed odd to everybody. Right. Um, and then after I got out of high school, I did my first bodybuilding competition. I uh, did a couple of those and uh, pursued uh, triathlons and 100 and 200 mile bike races, uh, then returned back to bodybuilding, nas na national natural bodybuilding competitions. So I competed in states across the country, uh, made it to worlds in um, New York City, uh, but all 100% natural shows, organizations, and uh, then pursued other things. I, I've done an awful lot of other sports, uh, championship in sand volleyball, four-man team. Uh, it goes on and on. And mm -hmm. grew business, I decided uh, with very early on, I was an, a nerd about fitness. So instead of just mimicking what we do in the gym, uh, I then started pursuing education at the libraries because we didn't have the internet yet. Uh, so I went to the libraries and did a lot of research on case studies, medical research, physical therapy. Uh, I'd get books on anatomy and all that research. And I started learning an awful lot, learning a lot of uh, what were mistakes being done in the gym that were passed on. My education, self-educated approach uh, encouraged me to say, wait a minute, I have an awful lot to offer in terms of education and training concepts and nutrition. Uh, I should, I was trying to decide between whether I wanted to pursue electromechanical engineering, which was my degree, uh, or start a fitness business. So I just made a choice and I started personal training before it was popular. And, mm -hmm. uh, I rode the wave and grew the largest personal training facility in the United States. Um, but, and uh, for, as a private training studio, we had five personal trainers, all with their own workout stations. I developed that whole concept so that each trainer could be training clients all day long, all the mm -hmm. way into the, and no one having to wait on any, any equipment. So I was circulating large volumes of clients all throughout the day, every day of the week. Um, and then uh, we had a hit when 2009 came and there was uh, uh, the economy crashed at, at 2009. Took a couple years, it finally hit me. 
Uh, so best thing I could do was to uh, downsize. So I got my overhead costs down mm -hmm. uh, and then continued my, my mass advertising and marketing, uh, kept the business going at a, uh, a great income level. And then uh, all of a sudden, the whole fitness industry changed and came out P90X, Insanity, Turbo, CrossFit, Boot Camp, mm -hmm. uh, Kickboxing. So all these group type things came out as well as the DVDs and this rush of all these other things came out and it really pulled people away from the whole concept of just going to a private personal training studio mm -hmm. and started growing uh, personal trainers being in every health club everywhere part-time mm -hmm. kids, people have never done fitness before. Um, and, and it, private personal training studio. Uh, so that's, that was my roller coaster of riding the wave of popularity with the rise of personal training studios, mm -hmm. and then being hit with the, the sudden shift of like, for instance, uh, one of the, uh, biggest issues was that people start going toward the group concepts instead of the private personal training aspects. Uh, so that, that was the biggest shift is I didn't change with the industry in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so first backing up all the way to the beginning a little bit, the, um, the fitness competitions, I always love when I, I talk to somebody who has done bodybuilding and, and fitness competitions and I started in that world as well and was it the what federation was it that you competed in uh NANBF okay the what was the other one uh I INF INBF was that yeah. one of them yeah. yeah okay yeah um I also competed in the INBF and the WNBF um so I always, I love when I, I talk to somebody who competes in the natural world, it's a whole other kind of ball game and it's crazy. Um, I did 10 shows. I went pro in 2017 and then I burned myself out with that. And I was like, okay, now we're moving on. Um, <laughs> so I always like to be able to talk to somebody that's done that as well. So very cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, industry has definitely shifted over the last few years prior to COVID. It was very heavily based on groups and group exercise. And a lot of people were really kind of taking to that. Uh, but things are definitely kind of going somewhat the other way now post COVID because a lot of people don't want to be surrounded by a lot of other people while they're working out now. So a lot of places, a lot of gym owners that I've spoken with recently were heavy on groups prior to COVID and are now switching to semi-privates and privates more so than that large group atmosphere. So um, now with the way that things are structured for you now, are you going to people's homes? Do you still have your studio? Are you working out of other studios? How is that working for you now? No, I still have my studio. I've downsized so my overhead costs are low. And Got it. Instead, okay. instead of pushing for personal training, I've shifted because over the decades of me being in business, um, 
because of my pursuit of education, the level that I'm at, I started developing personalized systems for different people's goals. Mm -hmm. And the personalized package systems are what I now market online on my website. So a person could go to my website and choose a personal training or a personalized system for their goal. Mm -hmm. It could be um, my diabetic fix it program. I get all type two diabetics off all their meds within five weeks. Um, I know people that have debated with me that they're so knowledgeable and they can't get their family member off off the medication. And I'm like, rather than debating with me, <laughs> ask me, because I actually have it polished on how that's done. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then for contest prep, I have personalized systems for contest prep. I have personalized mm -hmm. systems for general weight loss, uh, for fat loss uh, specific, um, as well as athletic performance enhancement. So um, I've shifted to instead of doing individuals all day long, spending my day doing personal training, and building that back up to marketing the systems I've developed over the years, as well as uh, I developed 3D uh, ab bench by Marco. It's an abdominal training bench I developed over 20 years ago that I used to sell selectively for my clients. Mm -hmm. I now I now market that. So, uh, okay. so I've grown the business to rather than the personal training one-on-one, -on -one, uh, but I would have a lot of great advice for people that want to have a, a facility for sure, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, that's one of the questions that I ask for sure a little bit later. Um, but I do have some other questions before we get there. So how many clients are you currently serving or how many people are you working with overall right now? Uh, well, and you know, whenever that's come up in the past, I've always had to explain I do things differently. Uh, mm -hmm. Trainers from the very beginning until today still do things by how many uh, clients I have that number. Whereas for me, I always sign up each client as a three or four day a week person. Mm -hmm. So each client is generating for me three to four appointments every single week, where right. someone else need three or four clients to have three or four appointments each week. Mm -hmm. So when say I have 15 clients, I have times three sessions, times four sessions of those clients, I'm generating a lot of sessions and a lot more income each week by training each client three to four days a week, uh, which allows me to give 100% guarantee of results uh, on the okay. instead of just sending instead of someone just showing up once a week for personal training. Uh, my approach was always different than just selling a handful of sessions. So typically, mm -hmm. a trainer would say, oh, if you buy one session, it costs this much. But if you buy a package of 10, well, then the person's showing up maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. you're, you're lucky if that individual shows up more often, but that person's usually just showing up once a week, and then they're doing stuff on their own. Uh, so my approach was very different from the very beginning as I grew the business and came up with uh, marketing concepts and structured package systems uh, and allowed me to sell a concept uh, that made sense in it. and the, the rate of closing and, and selling my services 
uh, I would say was about an 85% uh, close rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not always a volume game. You know, a lot of times it's better to have a smaller amount of clients, provide them with a higher level of service, therefore charge them more. And, you know, then you're able to provide a higher level of service, actually get them the results that they're looking for, and it takes less of your time as well. So it's kind of um, even a, a better way to go about things, especially within personal training, because there are a lot of personal trainers out there that are training 12, 14, 16, or more hours a day, charging people per session, seeing them once a week, you know, completely burning themselves out, not getting the clients that they're looking for and in working crazy hours to make ends meet. And it doesn't have to be that way. So, you know, if you can get the people in the door that are really serious about reaching their goals, provide them with that higher level of service, get them on the schedule a few times a week so that you are actually getting them the results that they're looking for, then, that tends to be a better way to go about doing things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just different. So if you end up with the same number of sessions each week uh, with fewer people, you're not having to drive huge amounts of traffic and people that are half-assed about training. You know, they're right. putzing around once a week or something coming in, and then you don't know how well they're following it on their own, things like that. You're not giving them the number one thing, uh, photobomb, uh, the number one thing that people need is structure. And yeah. that's what I was putting together from a very early age when I was starting the business is I realized that people needed structure and that's mm -hmm. what I was giving and selling. And uh, it did really well. So I ended up with the volume of sessions each week uh, with much fewer clientele. Now, when my business was super doing incredible, um, I, my advertising was very polished. I was on radio, TV, and print, mm -hmm. and uh, I was generating large volumes of people just like that, that were all doing three to four days a week, as well as purchasing like uh, my fat loss systems and things like this. So mm -hmm. uh, I was able to generate enough clients then to have uh, four other trainings into the evening. So um, but like I say now, for me to have uh, 15 clients all doing three to four days a week just for myself uh, is doing just fine. And then I sell my systems I developed off the internet mm -hmm. uh, instead of local advertising and things like that. So uh, I've just shifted where I make extra income instead of having staff, a large staff. Right. Yeah. So now as far as the marketing goes, getting the word out there about the programs that you sell online, and then also if you are looking to take on any other clients, how are you, how are you marketing? How are you getting the word out there about what it is that you do? Social media and then, uh, you know, marketing on Google. Okay. Driving traffic to the website and, mm -hmm. uh, I am considering now um, putting attention into Miami. So if I move down to Miami, Florida, uh, I already have a marketing strategy for obtaining specific types of clientele that uh, my rate per session will spike uh, mm -hmm. a amount. So I, also, I want to be around the type of people 
that are more enthusiastic about fitness rather than a small percentage of people interested in fitness. So Toledo is not a market for uh, fitness. You, you'd do best with a, a health club that also combines group activity uh, that it happens to be trending at the moment, whether you appreciate it or not, whether you like it or not, whether it's high risk injury or not, uh, sell whatever's trending is, is the best advice for someone to continue making money in the fitness industry. It's not like other industries. It, it, yeah. you, you have to change with the wind or else, <laughs> or else you fall behind, right. uh, whether, whether it's right or wrong. And, and it's really sad that's the fitness industry. But for me, uh, I want to just keep pushing sales off my website and then keeping a select few clientele. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be um, doing a lot of YouTube videos as dispelling the myths of the fitness and weight loss industry. Uh, that's that's going to be my next venture. I have everything set up at work right now with uh, over 20 trophies behind me that will be behind me on the shelves. It's all set up. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I'm doing my YouTube videos, uh, I already have something set up to, to start doing that, but it's going to be a dispelling myths of the fitness and weight loss industry. Okay. All right. Awesome. So that's the goal for 2022 is to start doing that more and then potentially take on uh, a different kind of group of clients who are more serious about fitness. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, all right. So now if you, and, and you kind of did a little bit here just a second ago to provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering going their own way, doing their own thing, opening their own business. Um, there are so many things that come up along the way and you've been in the industry for a little bit. So, you know, beyond what's that? A long time. I've watched the industry make shifts and come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, watched the industry go away from uh, common fitness training uh, methods. Uh, they go to the new fads and the gimmicks and trends and all that. And then uh, eight years, only eight years go by or 10 years go by and old stuff gets brought back again. And all the new mm -hmm. young fitness start going, oh, look at all this new stuff. This is new. And it's like, uh, no, this is really old stuff from back in German training, Russian training, and the marketing companies just bring it back and everybody acts like it's brand new ideas. Uh, so it's funny, mm -hmm. it's sort of like old styles and clothes. I was just all... gonna say that, it's just like the fashion industry, you know, everything comes back. Right now it's platforms and bell bottoms. It's been done before, you know? It goes from the skinny, uh, the fat tie to the skinny tie and people yep. go, look at the line. It's like, it's not new. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like uh, reinventing the wheel. You know, it's already been done before. So, right. mm -hmm. but, uh, but what that is, is a lot of the old stuff was already dispelled as either, either high risk injury. So you shouldn't be teaching it to your clientele or uh, it's not effective. It's not training what people are leading you to believe it's training. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not necessary to do etc. There, there could be a lot of reasons not to do these other moves. And then, but because they become new trending moves, 
whatever is in at the moment and the fads and whatever, you'll have tons of trainers that don't have the education behind them to know how to dispel something that's new. They just jump on whatever the new bandwagon is. And that's why what I was saying earlier was you have to have the mindset, maybe perhaps two mindsets. One is I'm oblivious. I don't really understand what's safe or what's not safe, what's effective, what's not effective. And you just go with the wind. So whatever the bigger companies are mass marketing, you have to just hurry up and jump on there. Riding the skirt tails of their expensive advertising. And you just sort of pull in clientele by saying the same thing that's trending. Uh, but the other type of trainer are the fewer that are more educated. They realize certain moves aren't worth doing. They're passive. They're not training the muscle they're claiming to train. They're high-risk injury. Why in the world would I teach clients, the general masses, to do certain moves that are high-risk injury when I have low-risk injury exercises that do exactly the same thing? Right. People would have to make a moral decision of, do I want to sell whatever's trending or do I want to stick to my guns and teach people? No, we don't teach that here. Well, that can be your business. You know, so there's, there's that aspect of saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to teach that. I teach this, this is why. And then you hope you're getting clients that appreciate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a, a fine balance there between you know, defining yourself, the services that you offer, the people that you're targeting, but then also being kind of open-minded and adapting with the industry, you know, adapting is a huge part of business in general. And especially the fitness industry is constantly changing. You know, there's always a new fad. There's always a new move. There's always a new type of class that's the most effective, or, you know, there's always, um, so many things that are changing. So being willing to adapt and then finding your kind of target market and the services that you offer and sticking to what it is that you do to some extent, but also being willing to kind of um, adapt with the industry to make sure that you're still in business. Yeah, and that's why the one thing I was willing to do without compromise, compromising my expert um, level perception of the fitness and nutrition and industry is by marketing systems I've developed rather than uh, just selling at my studios whatever's in. So mm -hmm. I'm shipping from uh, a this private personal training studio aspect mm -hmm. to internet marketing, uh, reaching people by selling my services that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still doing better off that way than having a, worrying about a, a studio, the overhead, the staff, the uh, generating of large volumes of customers to come in through the door. Um, I used to work for uh, health club uh, marketing companies. I've had a big background in the beginning when I was uh, first attempting to start the business. In the very beginning, I worked as a manager for a local uh, uh, health club. There were four health clubs and I was a manager for one of those. And then I 
worked across the country doing health club promotions, uh, sales, marketing to help health clubs generate large volumes of memberships in very short periods of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the personal, the health club industry aspect didn't turn me on like the personal training industry aspect did. No. Um, but now, you know, I tell people, I say, if you're going to do something you want, you want to keep growing or keep that going, you're going to have to have both. You got to have a quasi of, uh, yes, I offer the personal training, but I also <laughs> do it on their own. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's going to be the better way to go, unless with a personal training facility uh, that you've generated that image uh, to really grow as big as I had grown in the past. Uh, uh, you know, that I think that's going to be a whole lot more difficult nowadays as a private training studio only uh, because so many health clubs all offer personal trainers uh, and people don't ask for an expert anymore. Uh, that's why I want to move to a city where uh, there's a certain type of mindset of, of clientele that say, I want the expert. Who is mm -hmm. the who has the background that's superior, or better, the experience that's better, who has that reputation? I want to go to that person. Uh, and, and to throw an example, like celebrities tend to do that. Top athletes always do that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, people that are highly successful, they have a tendency to talk to each other and say, hey, who's the best? I'm willing to pay for the best. Um, and, and that's just not common in most cities. Uh, right. So I'm going I'm cherry picking uh, from a list of cities that would be more that mindset of, of clientele. So I'd be dealing with individuals that really are wanting to pursue that privately one-on-one -on -one with me, as well as still growing the, the sales off my website. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a good setup to have multiple streams of revenue and then get very specific about who it is that you you do want to serve. You know, health clubs typically thrive off of people who have memberships but don't show up to the gym. But hey. personal training, you know, is is different. You know, it is it is more personal. You want people that are serious about reaching your goals and you want people that are willing to pay for the services that you're providing you know and a lot of times it is a better situation as a personal trainer to get those people who are serious who ask for the best who are looking for results and who are willing to pay the price for the services that you're providing so it kind of is a, um, a better situation overall from a personal trainer standpoint than it is to just go the volume game with as many people as you can get. And you, you hit a, a key point there. That's how it's always been done since the beginning of mm -hmm. and that is sign up, uh, you know, just throwing out an exaggeration, sign up a thousand members, but your mm -hmm. facility can handle 200 at one time. Yep. Uh, rely on the people not showing up as their major profit maker. Uh, the amount that actually show up in the gym every day is, is a tiny fraction of the amount of memberships that they're actually selling. Uh, so there's, that's an intent that a health club owner knows, uh, whereas the opposite is with the personal trainer. Absolutely. And it, it's it old after doing it your whole life as me, 
being an extreme athlete uh, to be working with and making money off the general public. Uh, it's instead of having a majority of athletes or a majority of very ambitious people, uh, you're dealing with the masses just to make money to circulate mm -hmm. clients. Um, and, and I would rather have fewer clients make more money off fewer clients that are highly ambitious and highly um, productive with, you know, and, and passion, desire to do what I'm teaching them and they appreciate it and they're seeing and reaping the rewards of, of something so polished and structured for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's frustrating uh, being a trainer to somebody who's really not that serious or not that motivated, especially if that's a background where you come from and you are yourself very motivated. And like you said, you know, you've always been an athlete and done kind of extreme sports and it's always been kind of next level. So it's hard for you to train somebody who isn't serious about reaching their goals, who isn't motivated. You know, it, it kind of takes it like kind of sucks the life out of you to an extent, you know, it's like you want to work with people who are like you, who are motivated, who are ambitious, who have goals that they want to reach and are going to do whatever it takes to get there um so that definitely makes it more uh enjoyable as a trainer you know to work with people who are on that same level right absolutely all right so now as we start to wrap up here where can the listeners find you on social media uh the fitness expert i'm on uh instagram and twitter and uh, Facebook, I have Goal Fitness by Marco, both a group page as well as the business page. I found that the business page, whenever I post there, Facebook makes sure no one sees it. Um, I had grown to 6,000 people years ago. And then when they started doing the algorithms trick, uh, anything I posted on my business page, they, they wanted me to pay money for my own followers to see my own posts. Yep. Uh, then I started shifting to the group page, Goal Fitness. And uh, now when I post on the group page, uh, more and more people see those posts. But uh, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, I just... Marco.com, and that's my, that's my go-to. That's where I send... All righty. Sounds good. So Marco from Goal Fitness by Marco in Ohio. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been so great having you on the show. Good talking with you. Hope, hopefully this will help some people out there. Yes, absolutely. To all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business knowledge. 
I'm your host, Brent Oliver, and today we're here with Sarah Sutherland. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me, Brent. Yeah, of course. So we'll get right into it. If you can tell everybody, you know, what your gym name is and where you're located. Sure. My name is Sarah Sutherland, and our gym is the Aurora Fitness Center. We are located in Aurora, Nebraska, pretty close to South Central in the state, right off of Interstate 80. So. Okay, right on. Um, if you want to give a general uh, loose outline of what the gym model is. Sure. We are a 24-7, 365 completely unmanned facility in a smaller rural community, but we do get a lot of traffic of individuals coming off of the interstate for day passes and such, um, which we've set up our business model to be able to accommodate for that as much as possible. And so we do um, have a towel service that we do provide that requires, you know, some maintenance there. We have 5,000 square feet, three bathrooms, two of which have showers in them. And um, for our classes, I will do in-person workshops a handful of times throughout the year, but mostly we rely on a virtual instructor service on an 80-inch TV that we have in the front of our gym to give people an opportunity to do that, whatever it's most convenient for them. Perfect. That is rare, right? Uh, there's some gyms that have less employees. Some gyms have more employees. Very, very few gyms have no employees or close to it. Right. Um, right. So if you can, if we can re kind of rewind time here a little bit and, you know, before you decide to open up your own gym, you know, what made you decide to do that? And, you know, what, what did the journey look like between, you know, when you thought about possibly opening one and then actually opening the doors? So I've always had an interest in entrepreneurship. I feel like ever since I was young, I've done something that's entrepreneurial, you know, I have business degrees, marketing degrees, my master's in business and through my corporate sales career, the company that I worked for, my husband actually still works for, he's a co-owner with me at the gym, but a little bit more kind of behind the scenes. He, we had a, a year long health challenge at this company. And so it gave, you know, kind of a little bit more of a solid focus on kind of health and wellness and what we were doing as, you know, you become an adult and you're trying to figure out how you balance life and careers and work and still be healthy. And so through that process, I had found a gym that did online programs and would see the in-person trainer whenever I was in town. So I traveled a lot for my job and I kind of got the itch to be on the other side. I was a client of that gym for a year and it started to bring back memories of my athletic past. And I was a collegiate athlete and just had always been active and was honestly struggling to find a place in how I successfully could transition from that life of growing up as an athlete, being a collegiate athlete, and then staying active while balancing real life, right? As a, as a new adult, I guess. And um, so through that journey and that personal process, then the gym that I had been a client for gave me the opportunity that if I got certified, I could roll on as a trainer. So I did that for a few years. And just as a byproduct of that process, started kind of opening up conversations that if we moved to a smaller town to raise our family, what could we do to make a living? And so the personal training side of it was something I was becoming really passionate about. And we're like, is there an opportunity for us to combine it basically? So um, that's when we were visiting my family for a weekend. And I think it was my parents' anniversary and this local facility was 24 seven, but it was really just a bunch of equipment kind of in a gym, in a, in a building, a chiropractic office building. 
and reached out and got a day pass and was like, wow, this actually, I mean, I wonder what the opportunities would be if I wanted to be a personal trainer as an independent contractor, just in this space. And through kind of reaching out to those conversations, come to find out he was just a real estate investor that really just wanted the building, not necessarily the assets or the gym, as you may refer to it um, as. And so, you know, he's like, I'll just sell you the business and then be the landlord of the building, which is what I originally intended in the first place. So that's really kind of how we tripped up upon it. So we did buy the equipment and the membership that came with it, but I don't even know if I'd really say it was members, but it was, you know, people had access into it had never really been marketed as a gym or positioned that way. So we knew there was a lot of opportunity for potential to mm -hmm. go grow it. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's great. You kind of just fell into it. Now, did you yeah. buy the equipment outright or was there some kind of agreement, like long-term agreement in place where you would pay a portion over time? We went to the bank and got a loan and just bought it outright. Got it. Yep. Yep. So we then owned the assets of the gym. It was hard to ever really kind of find a formula to pinpoint the value of members. And he really wasn't in it from that standpoint anyways. So as long as we gave him a fair value from what he considered for the used equipment, um, you know, we just did some research and made an offer. So the business and everything else. So it really was a turnkey operation from a standpoint of, we were like, here's the check for the assets. And he gave us the key to the door and we were off and running. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So then what happened by the time that you got that turnkey operation and the changes that you've made until you, you are where you are now? So at the very beginning, it was very heavily, it was very manual and it was all paper-based. So at the time we were still living about four hours away. And so before we made the purchase decision, this is where, this is my hometown and where my parents are. And so we recruited my parents to effectively manage it for us. And then we would come back, you know, one weekend a month just to be around and let people know, you know, hey, we're, we're the owners, right? Um, and so, but it was very heavy paper. People had to fill out a paper form. There was a drop box on the outside of the building. They would, you know, sign the waiver, give us the information. And then it literally would have to sit there. They would write us a check. So it was all check or cash only. Ouch. And this was only nine years ago. This is how, and this is how it was until only four years ago. This is exactly how we operated it. So, you know, which is crazy to think in the times that we were in up until 2017, this business was like paper-based Dropbox, paper forms, checks or cash only. And then we really, it just waited until my mom would stop back in to check the Dropbox, had to physically use the computer at the gym um, to set up like a little fob card and then it was like either text or calling the person back and telling them it was ready. And then the person would have to come back, pick up the key card from inside the Dropbox, outside the building. And then, you know, it was, the key cards were constantly something where it's like people were losing them. We were having to replace them. We were charging $5, but it was cash or check only. People would want to try to pay with card. I mean, it was, it was very heavy manual. And so, and even then we did offer a towel service, but the, the washing and dryer that were in the gym. I mean, the loads were tiny. So it's like, you were constantly having to go every day just to stay on top of the laundry to switch it over because the bins were so small. So there were bottlenecks all over the place. And, um, so when we, um, knew that we wanted to turn it into more of a business, grow it and give it more of an opportunity to have the gym feel instead of just some equipment sitting in a room, we knew we were going to need more space and we wanted a better location. So 
we purchased um, two years after we owned the business, we purchased a old down building right in the heart of the downtown business district that had used to be a bowling alley and had some really great potential because it just was a 5,000 square foot space wide open and reinforced then for bowling alley, you know, for bowling lanes. Right. Um, so it could handle some heavy things sitting on the floor. And so we let it sit there for about a year and a half. And then we started in on the renovations and it took about 18 months for us. So we timed it to where, when our, our lease, our five-year, you know, corporate lease commitment with the landlord was going to be up, we were going to be ready to transition into the new space at which then was the time that we upgraded all of our systems. So now it's completely paperless. We have a really super large capacity washer and dryer, you know, only a handful of loads now we have to do during the week. I've really honed in on the process to be super efficient, knowing that we don't have employees there every day. So, but yet it looks like, it looks like there is. So. Yeah, that's a really cool story. Um, one thing that I'd like to dive into is, you know, you bought it nine years ago and then you made this transition four or five years ago. Was there issues with implementing technology earlier before you moved or like, why did you make the decision to do it all together and, and spend four or five years continuing to do it manually? The primary reason is because we were, my mom was the one that was managing the business and early on she had just kind of established her routine and we just kind of let her do it the way that she was comfortable with doing it and wanting to do it even though it was incredibly inefficient. I mean, same, you know, the, having to go to the bank, right? So she was writing a huge list and like noting all the checks and the cash and things like that. And so we, one, she developed her systems and because she was the one managing it for us, we just decided to let her do it in the way that she was comfortable and the way that she wanted to do it. Two, at the time, there was not really enough members to support the overhead and then start having enough margins to be able to go implement some of those systems. Although they were gonna make things more efficient, technically, um, they weren't necessarily, sometimes systems make you more efficient, but they don't necessarily bring in more people. And so until we were at a point where we felt like we had something that we could offer to people that was gonna start drawing them in to give us more wiggle room with the margins, that was a couple of different reasons than why the process stayed in place the way it was for so long. Mm -hmm. But once we moved downtown and we renovated the building, we were able then to not have to retrofit an existing location. You know, we were able to get the barcode scanner where we needed to, and it was a lot less effort to get it set up the way we really wanted it to. And then that's when I took over, we officially had moved back in the process and um, it helped in a way. It's now it's a way that I would run it. It's 100% self sign up online through our website. It's all automated. And so I, it wouldn't have maybe been the best fit for her, but it's the perfect fit for me. Yeah. It seems to me like the, at the time, you know, for the first four or five years, you were mainly, mainly prioritizing as little personnel as possible. And if that came with things being manual, so be it, because your main priority was keeping, you know, as many hands off as possible. Right. Um, with cash and check, uh, the biggest issue, of course, is, you know, reoccurring and people just decide to not come back and they have that option. Yep. So I'm just curious, you know, did you really track that? And did you like deactivate key fobs if somebody didn't come back or like how long did you go to let them go like past due? 
So the way the memberships were set up when we purchased the business is everything was a one-time payment for a chunk of time only. There was not like a reoccurring like monthly contract option or anything like that. So um, that did then create some retention issues, if you will, or if somebody just like their membership expired, then, you know, might be a few months before they would come back. So at the beginning, it was they wrote us one payment and then they could purchase either one, three, four, six, or 12 months in that one payment. And so when the key cards would get set up, that expiration was identified right away at the beginning. And so it wasn't until then they would choose to renew that they would come back. And so we did in the process work with our bank and it started off as a very manual process as well, but do like an ACH withdrawal. Um, and the bank we were with at the time, it was a manual process every month. I had to, you know, fill out like all the members and then they were going through and like keying everyone individually. And it was a very dated and inefficient, heavy manually involved process it did though, however, give us an opportunity to offer something that people really did kind of want, right? I mean, that was something where it's like, not everyone can write a check for 12 months upfront for a gym, but they know they want to be a member. And that monthly reoccurring did, did give us an ability to more effectively predict what our revenue stream was going to be. You know, we kind of had kind of the ups and downs with the one-time upfront options, but that contract being able to offer that definitely like stabilized that revenue stream and gave us a, a good baseline that we could start modeling some decisions about the business off of. So. Exactly. Yeah. I speak to a lot of gym owners that, you know, are from the old school and still do cash and check. And it's always a hard conversation because, you know, their fallback is, well, well, my members like the gym because we're old school and because we don't have reoccurring and because they don't have to stress about, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's cool, but then you're, you're leaving the 95% of the population on the table that wants the convenience factor. Um, so with me being a numbers guy, I'm curious, do you know, like you mentioned retention and like attrition rate, do you know what your attrition was before you implemented these changes versus after? That I don't know because the system that we used beforehand, there was not a solid way to keep track of it. It was very heavily manually based. A lot of what we were trying to do through like QuickBooks, which is what we use for our accounting, but it was, I mean, it would take eight hours once a month to go through the list of like the members. And it just got to the point where we're like, this is not gonna, I mean, it's gonna give us data, but is it worth that kind of process? So I don't have a good one for you to give you before and after numbers, but I do know that what it did was right away, we had, and then we ran a big promotion on it. You know, we had, I don't know, usually on average about 75 members. I'm trying to remember from that spreadsheet, you know, 50 to 75 members that were doing that monthly reoccurring. So, you know, you just, it makes things a lot more predictable, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was, was good to give us some ability to have that baseline. But still today though, we do still offer that one-time payment option upfront. We do have some seasonal members, you know, people that like to walk outside most of the time, but then when it starts snowing here, they'll buy a three, four month membership, you know, for the winter. But so we offer both to stay in a hopes to accommodate 
all those different groups. So yeah, exactly. And you know, you started out that way. So to, to have your, your OG members stay with you, you're going to need that option, not force yes, them to go. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. That's perfect. Um, all right. So now let's switch over to, you know, more of acquisition processes. Um, you implemented the technology, um, you know, you're doing all right. One thing we didn't mention on air is that, you know, Aurora is a super small town, right? 4,000, 5,000 people population. So not a whole lot of people to tap into. Obviously with small towns, it's extremely important to have the business be good, right? Because you can have, be in a high, uh, you know, hard, uh, heavily populated city and not be the best business, but have this churn rate and be okay with it because there's so many people to pull from in a small town, you're only going to get chances once. And if you lose members, they're probably never coming back. So um, I'm sure that's a concern of yours, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, how you handle the small town sales process. Do you do any kind of marketing and what does the process look like from like trying to generate leads to having them actually sign up for EFT? Yep. So one of the best things we did was we, when we moved our location, we were in a more highly visible location. And so a lot of people up until that point, I mean, technically the business has been around for over 20 years. So many people were like, I didn't even know it existed because it was tucked in the highway, right on the edge of town, on the backside of a building. And there was like terrible signage. And so, you know, people just didn't really know about it. So moving the location, having a big sign and being right in the heart of the downtown business district was a huge win for us it really gave people an opportunity to, it was harder to miss us, right? So that really helped too. We leverage Facebook ads and targeting on Facebook ads for, for any specials. Now we also try really hard not to run more than like two or three specials a year for membership. You know, we'll do a little something for New Year's resolutions, but honestly not a lot because in our experience, New Year's resolution time has been something where a lot of people are going to join the gym regardless. And so why are we going to leave too much money out there on the table? Instead, we focus our efforts a lot more on like an, a business anniversary special that we'll do like in the fall. And then a lot of times like, you know, around the holiday shopping season beginning, like Black Friday-ish, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, honing in on that. So we'll increase our marketing around any of those like specials to try to capitalize on new people. Um, I go back and forth with remarketing to like previous members, you know, people that had bought the one-time memberships for a while and things like that. And, um, that would be something that would be a better to do on my list is to go through and kind of clean out our list to only target any of those that had been members to try to get them to come back before mm -hmm. and not our entire gym member list. I don't know what experiences in your gym or not but you know i mean there's a big population of members that don't pay attention to their checking accounts and they just are used to paying it and it comes out and whatever and but the second they get an email they'll be like oh wait i haven't been to the gym in six months and then it's almost like that and so it's like it backfires sometimes that marketing or newsletter or sometimes that being too consistent with talking <laughs> to people um that are in that bucket can backfire on you a little bit so we try to stay away from that too. Um, our town is still very conservative and traditional from a standpoint of we have the physical newspaper. It's a weekly newspaper. And so we do advertise in that. We focus a lot of efforts on supporting our um, local high school with ads, sports, things like that, um, just for opportunities for our logo to be out there in some of those different areas. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, you touched on a lot of really, really good stuff there. I think one of my favorite topics is the reactivation campaigns and 
having them be as a reminder to current members to cancel if they don't, aren't using it. Um, and a really interesting topic, you know, aside from that is usage rate when it comes to membership, because as a gym owner, you're torn because you want the business to be profitable. You know, the more members that don't use you, that pay you, that's where the profit is. But at the same time, most gym owners are in the business because they want to help people get healthier. And if people aren't using the gym, they're not getting healthier. So it's this constant back and forth of like, how profitable do I want to be? How much do I want to push people to use the gym? And if I do, they're going to, if they don't want to, I'm reminding them to cancel. Yep. And that's just, it's an interesting topic. We can go back and forth all day about it. One thing I will say is that reactivation campaigns, if you are targeting hundred percent non-members, um, they, it's very hard to get them to work. Um, I've, I've tried it myself recently. Um, I've spoken to a lot of other gym owners and it seems like if they're not interested and they're not pursuing you, they don't want to be bothered. Sure. And they're so inundated with other information from everybody yep. else that you're, yep. you know, they're deleting your emails with everybody else's. Um, you know, I've tried outbound, you know, cold calling. I've tried cold texting and emailing. And if you're really aggressive with it, you're going to aggravate people. Oh, yep. If you're sure. not aggressive enough, it's going to be a waste of time. Yep. The upside well, about it is that they're, it's so cheap, right? Because you already own those leads. You don't have to generate them. You don't have to pay for any money. You just have to pay the 0 0.001 cent to text them. Um, so that, that's tough. Um, now, paid, paid ads, you said you do, but you uh, pace yourself, right? Because it's a small town, you don't want to burn out the marketplace. Um, what, are the, what does the campaigns look like? How, how, far, how, like? how long do you run them? Like, if I can ask how much money you spend on them, like, what, what is your return on those campaigns? really probably not very good. At the very beginning, they were more effective because people were really interested in what we did with renovating the space. And so when we first moved, we did a bunch of pushes about moving downtown and just people were really curious. And so early on, you know, four years ago, when we first did that big renovation and moved, they were a lot more successful. This year, we, I mean, and we don't spend a whole lot because our population isn't very high so we can dial it in pretty well with regards to the demographics and our spends aren't super high to get you know to a thousand touches or whatever but um or the audience um but i would not say that they're very effective mm -hmm. for us okay um yeah, people yeah. really just either know they want to be a member or not so kind of back to your point like we've we noticed when we were doing the paper stuff somebody hasn't been a member for 10 years, but the day they decide they want to come to the gym, they want it like now, you know? And so that paper process slowed people down and then they lost kind of that steam being automated the way we are now. People can go to our website right there, pick purchase membership or sign back into their account and buy a new one and they get their barcodes activated right away, mm -hmm. you know? So um, one thing I actually forgot to ask, uh, you know, in your first uh, section there is, when you upgraded, what happened to the key cards? Do you still do physical key cards or can they scan in like on their phone or fingerprint? So now it is a barcode that is on their phone. So I would say the majority of our people do use the barcode scan. I mean, mostly everyone has their phone with them all of the time. So that effectively like works really well. We do have a handful of members where that's not as convenient. And so we do have like little key card, like little tags that can go on their key ring that has the barcode on it for them to be able to scan. So, but the majority of our people do have just a barcode that gets delivered to them via downloading the app for our gym management system. And then they can access it right there through their account. And it's 100% automated from the purchase through the website. They get a welcome email with all the steps 
lining out on signing the waiver and downloading the app, where they go to get to the barcode. And here's, you know, other helpful information to know about the facility, but they can literally be sitting outside our building, go through that process as a one-time setup and then be in. So. Mm, got it. Got it. Yeah. Super convenient. Yes. Um, Okay, so the sales uh, the sales process is pretty automated. Marketing is just coming down to testing and seeing what's most effective right now. Do you do any kind of referral system or uh, bonuses at all? We do. So if we have a gym member that refers somebody that signs up for our 12-month contract, so it's got to be a longer-term commitment, then we give that referring member, the person that referred the new person, one month free. So we do have a referral program that we leverage, and we've taken we've had people take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Do they get the next one three or is it tacked on to like the end of their contract? Depends on where they're at in the contract. So once somebody purchases their initial 12 month contract, it's a little bit like a cell phone plan and that it just automatically then continues month to month after that. We don't have make them like have to resign for a full 12 months. Again, that same thing where it's like, just kind of let it roll as long as you possibly can. Right. And so some of it does depend on when, like where they're at in that if they're going the month to month or if it's the 12 months. Um, so, mm -hmm. but it's just, I'll waive their one of their months. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's huge. And that's such a small, minute, but powerful point is auto renewing month to month. Um, a lot of gym owners miss that. And you, you seem to have gone from, you know, day one of like super old school manual paper to as efficient as possible. And that's really cool to see that journey. Um, you know, for anybody listening out there that you're, if you do have contracts and you are EFT and you do have the ability to charge cards automatically, make sure that in the contract it has in there that it's going to renew. Uh, Cause if one, it makes it super convenient for the members that want to stay, but then also it helps, you know, you just get more profit out of the people that, that are okay having it re reoccurring. And then unfortunately, but fortunately forget they even have a membership. So it's exactly. good. Exactly. That was our members that actually like that, that came as a byproduct of our members. So when we first started offering the 12 month, like with the, um, the monthly automatic withdrawal, the first version of the contract was 12 month contract. We didn't even think anything of it. And we we're like, okay, well then 12 months from now, they'll just sign a new piece of paper. And that's just the way we went. And so we, that first year came around and everyone like at, in their minds though, was we said it and we, for, we wanted to forget it. And so we had about five or six people be like, well, wait a second, this isn't just going to auto continue. And we were like, yeah, I guess it probably should. That makes sense. That's what we're used to, you know, and so many other aspects of our life, you know, it's like, if I'm going to make this commitment and make this purchase decision, I just want it to be done. Right. So, um, so then we changed, we did, we added that language then into the contract when it was paper-based for new people that it was auto withdraw and auto month to month after that. We also do require a 14 day cancellation window, um, which a lot of times if people aren't paying attention to, you know, they'll try to cancel with inside that 14 days. And it's like, it's already, you know, you're already noted in the queue to process for this month. And then, you know, there's some extra revenue that you can collect just by people not paying attention to the terms of a contract. Yeah. And even a step further with that, you'll find, I, I know I've found that members call us, say, Hey, I want to cancel. We have a 30 day uh, okay. notice. And what happens is in that conversation, you know, we make sure it's transparent. Like be like, Hey, like you do have 30 days. This is the contract. That is what it said. We have it highlighted and bolded because we don't want you to miss it. So you have 30 days of membership to use still. And they're like, Oh, okay, well, I guess I'll come in and use it anyway, since I already paid for it. And then hopefully it kind of reactivates this passion of, Oh, I do like it here. Maybe I shouldn't cancel. Sure. Um, so definitely to squeeze out that last billing cycle, then also to maybe save a couple of people. Right. 
Um, now, going a step further with paid in fulls, like say somebody comes in and pays in full for a year, what do you do at the end of that contract? Do you also auto renew it or do you have to have them come back and repay in full? That one, because it was kind of like the legacy membership option, it was they were literally purchasing that chunk of time. So that's once it comes due, it's it's done technically. Um, however, we do have a handful of gym members. That's just how they like to pay. They either like to pay just one year at a time or they a lot of them like the four months at a time. We can with inside our gym management system, though, have it automatically renew is just manual. So we have had a handful of them be like, I, I just want it to like, can you do it to where automatically this is how I prefer to pay, but can you just set it so I don't have to do it? And absolutely for that too. So um, it's flexible. We have options, but that is the one that we do. They're only purchasing for that chunk of time. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Perfect. So um, we are coming to the end of our time here. I want to touch on one more thing and that is future goals. It's interesting because you have such an efficient system that requires so little uh, effort from like a staffing standpoint. I'm curious to know, like, what, what are your future ambitions with that business? Are you looking to eventually grow it or add more locations or eventually get to the point where you do want to implement staff? Uh, like, what do you have on the radar for the future? So our intention is never to have to pay for staff. So we want to continue operating it in this existing way. Um, we, I would like to increase the amount of workshops that we are able to do. We do small small group personal training kind of like four week long workshops um because that's the way it's we have it structured you know could be a direct just extra revenue stream with not the extra overhead right so um you know that could be something that we continue to kind of grow a little bit for extra revenue chunks um, you know, right now we're sitting you know on average around only five percent of our population as far as like gym membership give or take, sometimes not even that high. And so, you know, nationally statistics, what we've seen is, you know, 10 to 20% of a population within a 10 minute radius can be a, a significant, you know, members of some sort of like fitness facility, right? And so, you know, I would like to see us get closer to that 10% mark um, of our population, just because I do, we can, we have the space and we have the room and there's, there's plenty to go around with regards to not feeling like people are going to be all over each other um, by increasing the membership. So that is, that would be a goal to just figure out new ways to attract new people to get in. We're getting a lot of young people that move into town. So finding ways to have them, you know, be our first stop, right. Mm -hmm. As they come in, um, we will never get into having instructed classes, I did for a period of time own Jazzercise and that business model for us, it was just always really challenging. Again, you're paying for instructors, whether or not people come and, you know, they just keep wanting more and more offered times. And it's a very expensive adventure and mm -hmm. that we will probably stay away from, which is why we like our virtual instructor service because it's a monthly subscription on our end and people can use it which actually ends up being probably more of a marketing play. Honestly, when people ask us about classes, we come in and it's cool because it shows really super well. It's an 80 inch TV. There's this little like, you know, iPad kiosk that's in the wall and they get, they just know that it's an option. People don't necessarily use it then once they get there, but it gets them in the door and they're curious about it. So um, when you talk about marketing, that, that has been probably one of our bigger marketing um, 
we kind of chalk that up to marketing, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, effectively, like the, the goal is really to keep the gym no more than about 10 hours a week that we ourselves are, or not 10 hours a week, 10 hours a month that we need to physically be at the facility to do towels, service, you know, backfill our equipment spray, you know, things that need to be physically done around the gym, but for it to never get much higher than that. And then just be able to scale up without increasing manpower or expenses too much. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that we were able to highlight that, sorry, because um, especially for our listeners, there are some, you know, personal trainers out there, fitness enthusiasts that do want to open up their own gym, but being a manager of a large team might be scary because they can be one of the best parts about a business, but they can also be one of the worst. And I think they're the most stressful and the most time consuming because of just the human error, right? Um, again, there's the good positive of like, they're, you know, they're passionate and they help the community, but it's just two different styles really. And you can be a business that's all about staff. Like, you know, the gym that I run is we're very, very heavy payroll and heavy staff, but you can be the exact opposite like yours and both are okay. And both are helping people. Uh, it's just a matter of what, you know, what model you want to take. So I was really, I'm really appreciative of your time, Sarah. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that, you know, it's working for you um, and that it can, it can be done. Absolutely can. And it gives an opportunity to bring health and wellness to small, smaller rural communities too, you know, that sometimes need access to that without driving 20, 30 minutes away as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now uh, for our listeners out there, Sarah, if, if they want to learn more about your gym or if they happen to live close and they want to join, uh, where should they go? So our website is auroraFitnessCenter.com. And then we have a Facebook page as well as Instagram. Aurora Fitness Center in Nebraska is our Facebook page and Aurora Fitness Center is our Instagram handle. So that would be the areas where they could go to to check out more about us. We also have photos of our facility and a virtual tour on our website as well. That is a way that we also leverage technology to show people you know, how they can, if they're interested in being the gym, we point them that direction. So we're not spending 30, 45 minutes of our time scheduling something to meet with somebody that in my experience, a lot of those people don't even make decisions to be gym members. And so pointing them to the website, having those resources available for them to watch at their convenience um, has saved us a lot of time with, you know, not having to physically make scheduled appointments and meet with people we also do have a day pass, which we encourage people to use. It's like, hey, you could buy the day pass on the website and just try the gym before you make a longer term commitment too, which also saves us a lot of um, time and energy on people that might aren't very likely to turn into members anyways. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually leaning on that topic for uh, one quick second, um, is that your intro offer is like buying a day pass? Do you have any kind of free promo, uh, free you know, trials or anything like that? Or do you keep everything paid? We keep. Um, we typically, we typically keep the day pass, something that they do have to pay for. Occasionally we will do promos like our, our seasonal promo promotion we did this year was, you know, pay a dollar and you get the rest of 2021 for free, but wanting them to pay something at the beginning so we can collect their payment information, make sure that they are like set up, even if it's a dollar, it is something that they're having to, to pay still giving them a free chunk of time before like the automatic starts after that. Um, but for the most part, we don't have like a free, a free day or a free week. We just haven't found that that converts people. You just get a bunch of people love free stuff. Yes, absolutely. And it was, you know, we, we want people to be members and we want them to see the value, but that just for us hasn't been the most effective way to get them to do that. So, mm, Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for having and, me. Yep. And for our audience out there, if you found value from this podcast, click the subscribe button so you know when new episodes are aired. And if you are a gym owner and you want to be featured on this podcast, uh, click on the link in the description and apply. Until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Cheyenne River CrossFit in West Fargo, North Dakota, Ryan Aldrich. How are you today, sir? Great. Thank you. I am excited to hear about you and what you're doing there and, and all about SRC. So tell us all about it. Sure, Cheyenne River CrossFit, or as you said, SRC, we call it SRCF there, um, is a gym in, in West Fargo, North Dakota. We've been a CrossFit gym for a little over four years, about four and a half years now, and we uh, focus mostly on like general population. Um, we have a pretty, I would say as far as CrossFit gyms go, we have a little bit older community um, compared to some of the other ones in the area, but our focus is very much so on the everyday athlete, I would say. Awesome. Awesome. And we talked a little bit off the air, get some ideas, but um, you've been basically a day one member of the gym. And like so many stories, so many times we hear opportunity came up, the gym was, was going to be for sale, owners moving. There's always different circumstances. And you had been thinking about it. And once that opportunity came, you and a, and a couple of other members were like, we love this thing. We don't want to see it go outside of the family. We're going to take it over and we're going to rock and roll with this thing. So how did, how did that process play out for you? I know it was a really fast turnaround. So just kind of tell me like what your thought process was and, and what, what motivated you to do it and what you thought you could bring to it. Sure. Um, I, yeah, the first part of it was just, you know, we wanted that community feeling to stay there and the opportunity for it to keep it, like you said, within the family so much, you know, CrossFit's a big community experience and being able to keep it with people that have been members for the most part since day one was a big, uh, big, you know, opportunity, I think for us and a big motivating factor. And then for us, it was just sitting down. Um, I think we, started the conversation a little over a week before we ended up purchasing the gym, but just uh, sitting down, seeing if it was a realistic thing for us to do and then kind of how it would work out and going from there. And the process was really cool. It was really quick. Um, you know, we were 
good friends with the owners and she was very happy to keep it in that gym family, so to speak. And the uh, former owners owner was their, their brothers, brothers and sisters that were coaching there. So it was uh, very much a family affair there. And um, we still have one of the, one of the family members is still a part 10 coach there. And then uh, the other, the head coach, she was there until about May of this, of 2021, still working out and helping out with everything. So Awesome. So middle of the pandemic, the world is going crazy. You're just, you're invested enough in the community that you're going to, you're going to invest financially, a couple of partners. Um, what did you feel like you, you personally would bring to the table as an owner, you know, your professional background, your, your passion for the community? What did you think that would be the biggest contribution you'd be making? Um, for me, it was the opportunity, like for, I have a marketing background. So being able to really like market the gym a little bit more and kind of get work on getting more of those people that we want to get in into the gym, those uh, people that are looking for something, looking, you know, maybe have gone to a, a robo gym or to a, you know anytime fitness or something like that and um, didn't get the experience that they wanted, wanted something with the community. And for me, it was, you know, really focusing on that aspect of it. I'd been a member at a gym previously um, before coming to Cheyenne River and same thing there it was really good community and just wanted to continue to grow that and I think um, our vision of what that was kind of aligned with a lot of what our members vision of what it was so continuing to grow and um, nurture that path. Okay so you you thought one of the things that that you could bring in was was the marketing background and and heck anybody who's owned any sort of business knows if people don't know about you if they don't know what you do and and what you're all about uh, the rest of the wheels in the machine don't really turn so pretty pretty integral part of it so um, coming into that was this the first business that you um, that you were part of in the fitness world yeah yeah it was uh, definitely I hadn't had any other experience as far as ownership or being part of a of gym um i had before we had bought it i purchased the gym i had worked with the previous owner and chatted with him about a few marketing things but wasn't really involved in anything from a day-to-day -day standpoint so this was our first opportunity and my first opportunity yeah, to, to get involved so i want to talk two sides of a coin here in in you have been been involved and it's been just about a year now right so what things you know not having been involved in this type of business before have you found maybe unexpectedly or expectedly that you really enjoy and have there been anything, any things that you've, you've had to take on that you're like, you know, this, this may not be my favorite thing, uh, but I still do it because I love the business. I want to make it, want to make it prosper. Uh, one thing that I found that I really enjoyed that was unexpected was coaching. Like, you know, we went into the gym with a head coach that was working a lot of the, a lot of our classes and, when she left, it was kind of um, trial by fire, kind of threw in through, got thrown into the coaching a little bit before that, but was pretty much thrown in with no coaching experience and not really thinking, um, even going into the gym, not like the anticipation wasn't for me to become a coach or to do um, much coaching and uh, got thrown into that and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed being able to work with people and help them accomplish things that they normally wouldn't be able to accomplish or help them push them to a goal that they didn't even think to think about trying so that was probably the best thing as far as um 
things that I took on that I wasn't expecting. Uh, from the negative side, you know, um, can't really think of anything that's, that I've been like, oh, this has been horrible. Um, I guess uh, less opportunity to actually work out. You know, you buy a gym and you think, oh, I can work out whenever now. And then every time I go into, like, think that oh, I'm going to work out, it's like, oh, this needs to be cleaned. Oh, the rack needs to be cleaned. Oh, I need to do some marketing for this. And, you know, it always ends up uh, with great intentions to get that workout in. But there's always, you know, got to get the business, keep the business running. Yeah, that uh, that initial dip in, in owner fitness can sometimes be real. And, you know, it's a matter of it. It's like anything else, right? You And you get to witness what your members will tell you at certain points as far as, hey, things got real busy at work. I didn't have time to work out or this and that. And it's it gives you an opportunity to exercise, no pun intended, the same type of things that you would tell a member and try to figure out like you can you can be empathetic and sympathetic and say, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm going to hear this. How do I figure out a plan for it? And it doesn't mean that it always works 100%, but it is one of those things where we hear a lot. It's like, yeah, I was super fit and I was you know, I was coaching and I'm running around and then, you know, I'm, everything's going great. And then I own the business and, and there's just, there's only so much time in a day and things just, just add up. Whether you're a sole owner, you have partners that's like, you know, sometimes it's, it's the energy side, the mental energy, the physical. And it's like, all right, especially CrossFitters, right? If you don't feel like you can, you, you can kick a workout's ass. Sometimes you're like, all right, let me just save this for the next workout. And it, it can snowball. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily, you know, I don't think we find a lot of gyms, especially in the CrossFit world. And I'm probably biased, but gym owners are like, oh, I, I absolutely hate doing X, Y, Z. You know, I, I hated scrubbing the floors until I get a bulldog scrubber. I'll be honest with that. But, <laughs> you know, that, that may have been my favorite piece of equipment I ever bought. Uh, and it had nothing to do with anyone's fitness, but you know, everything to do with people's clean clothes. But yeah, yeah. Gym maintenance is probably up there for sure. Um, you know, we, we did our annual cleaning and pulling all those mats out and that sort of stuff. I was like, man, I'm going to be on vacation next time we do this. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you have the heavy rubber, like horse stall mats, those things are a beast to move. Yeah. yeah. I swore that I would never do that again, regardless, regardless of what was going on in my life, I was going to find a way to, to avoid that. But um, yeah. Well, so, you mentioned too, um, you know, you talked about, you know, being able to be empathetic and sympathetic with members. And that's, that was kind of an eye opener for me too, because it was before that, prior to that, I was like, oh, you say you're too busy. Well, you, you know, you, you're just probably just, you know, may, you can make time for it. You just have to find it. And so then falling into that, it was like, wow, this whole too busy thing, like, can, you can really fall into it quickly if you're not careful. And if you're not, you know, you know, staying excited about it and coming into it with intention, I think is, is the biggest part of it too. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's good to be able to have that frame of reference, right? It's just one more thing that kind of involves you in the community and, and makes you like you, you were one of them. And then all of a sudden it's like, I have to be the owner, but these are also my friends and people I work out with and people I see in the community. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know a ton about West Fargo, but I get the feeling it's more of a tight knit small town vibe and you're probably running into people at the grocery store or, you know, wherever you are. So it's like, all right, I have to have to be gym owner sometimes. And sometimes there's just going to be Ryan, the guy who, you know, made a sweat angel next to you. So yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's there for sure. So I kind of have an idea of what you brought into this, 
you know, philosophically and what your business background was. And, you know, I want to talk about some of the different, the main functions of the business and, and you coming from a marketing background, I definitely want to spend a few minutes on that. How have you approached marketing since you've been an owner? Um, I'm sure, like you said, you had some ideas before you were an owner and, you know, whatever came of those, but now that you have the, you're in the driver's seat, how have you approached marketing the gym? What's, what's worked well for you? What things, you know, have you, have you had to learn to navigate around? Uh, I would say the biggest thing that we've learned is just the uh, ability like of organic marketing. It's been, you know, the best resource for us has been other gym members bringing in new members. Um, when you start, you know, using the digital media for advertising, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, even for somebody that's got, you know, I, like I always say, I've got enough experience to be dangerous, but um, I'm not an expert by any means. So I think when you get into that, if you try too many things, it can get quite difficult to manage. But for us, it's, uh, we've seen the best results with anything like any, any of our competitions or challenges that we do. Uh, we see the best results if we are using our gym family to kind of promote it and get them involved in it sort of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, kind of both sides of things, right? You have your paid advertising, your ROI measurable lead gen, and then you have the organic stuff where if you can get enough of people who like your stuff to, you know, whether it's gym members or their family who comment and like their posts or whatever's being, being shared, you can see where those two things feed into each other. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think you absolutely need to have both aspects of those. It, you know, they don't both have to be a 10 at the same time, but they both need to be available to play into each other because one without the other just usually ends up leaving people looking and, and kind of feeling a little bit, I don't know if I'd say short changed, but you need that congruency and messaging across both styles, just so that people like that consistency is what really gets people in the door ready to feel like they know you, they like you, they trust you. And then, oh yeah, I'm going to try this big, scary CrossFit thing. So <laughs> not always the easiest task, you know, you might as well be marketing tooth extraction sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things you mentioned too is consistency, just, you know, that's, uh, that's another aspect that I think is, I've, I've come to realize is very important is like, it's easy enough to sometimes, you know, get that Facebook post of the gym out there, you know, share a live feed, but um, to be able to, you know, I think you're best served if we're consistently sending out that message of what we are and what we're looking for as a gym. And it doesn't always have to be in form of an advertisement, but just, you know, making sure that people are aware of us. And, you know, that's our, I think that's the best use of social media for us right now. Awesome. Awesome. So the next natural phase, the next thing that happens, you know, after you, you do your due diligence and marketing works, is, is the sales process, right? You can call it a sale, a consultation, a, whatever, an introduction, whatever it is. What type of process do you have in place for once a new person ends up in your front door, ready to figure out if you're a good fit? Sure, yeah. So we usually um, we have two different processes. We have one where they can do um, what is often referred to as like the no sweat intro, where they come in, they sit down, we chat, I show that we show them like, show the gym. Um, usually you try to sign up for a time where they'll get to see what a class looks like. And a lot of times those people are people that have never experienced CrossFit or, 
you know, really nervous about it or their experience with CrossFit is they saw Matt Frazier at the games and they're like, oh, I could never do that. But somebody told them to check it out. And so we bring those people in, have a really, you know, general conversation with them and chat about their goals and show them, you know, kind of what some of our members are doing and you know, introduce them to some of our members that are working out and give them that experience of, oh, hey, this is, this is a normal person doing this. It's not always going to be that elite athlete that's going to be doing it and give them that experience of our community. And then the other um, type of person that comes in is a person that either has CrossFit experience or has been doing some sort of exercising, you know, they're in pretty good shape and they want to, they either move to the area or they just want to try out the gym. And with those people, we'll usually, I'll sit, I'll chat with them beforehand and then throw them in a class and we'll uh, chat afterwards and see how it went. And usually, um, you know, both, I think both aspects of it, it, it's really varies from person to person, but it's usually a good experience as far as, you know, just knowing also who falls into what category because there's sometimes where we'll get somebody that doesn't have any CrossFit experience but they're you know they're a good athlete and um, chatting with them and you know knowing that they getting that feel that oh they'll a, a workout would probably be good for them so asking them if they'd like to work out with the class and then getting them into that workout and you know feeling it out for, from there. And once once it's determined somebody is going to be a good fit they do want to stick around is everything basically just like you can sign up for a month to month or a contract or a certain amount of time um, as far as what their membership options are? What do you offer for people to kind of sign up with once they make that decision? Sure. Yeah, we have a few different options. We have a month to month option that's just basically you can pay to go either three times a week, month to month, or you can pay to go unlimited times a week. From month to month if they're a little bit more um, confident in what they want we have options where you can go from three months we have three months six months 12 months and 18 months typically um, what I try to do is steer away new members from doing anything more than six just because I don't want them to have to you know sign up for an 18-month contract and get four months in and be like oh I hate this you know, so a goal of it is, yeah, well, the goal is, you know, of any business is to make money at the end of the day. I don't want people that don't like going to the gym, gym there, because that's just not going to help us in the long run. Yeah. So I think that's, that's always one of those things that you have to decide who you're going to be. Are you going to be Planet Fitness where you want people to pay you and not show up? Or do you not ever want to take a dollar from somebody who doesn't want to be there and actively contributing to the community. And I think CrossFit lends itself much better to the second, uh, but still some people get really wrapped into, you know, the contracts and, and you have to be here because you said you would. And as soon as that conversation happens, like it's, it's not going to do your business any good. You know, those one or two people, the energy you spend trying to make someone happy who's not, you could spend on finding somebody else who, who really is going to be happy or somebody who, are, who already is that you can just make happier. So I definitely, I appreciate that point of view. So do you guys ever do, or have you considered, I know you, you haven't been your ownership group for that long. So have you ever worked on, you know, packages like, you know, uh, three month, you know, fitness and nutrition package, whether you call it a transformation or guided training, anything like that, 
that somebody could sign up for us besides just having a regular membership? Yeah, we've done a few um, what we call uh, challenges at the gym, at the gym where, you know, it's been a health and fitness and nutrition. Uh, typically, those are go from four to six weeks. We just started uh, working on one that's hopefully going to start here in the next couple weeks on an eight week plan, um, kind of similar to what they used to run prior to us purchasing the gym. Um, a little bit different package. So we're kind of exploring that option still, but um, you know, it varies. And we have, when we do our challenges, we open it up to current members and non-members where they'll get that, um, they'll get that fitness level. And then they'll also get that nutrition piece where we have a nutritionist that they, that they work with. They get a, we have an in-body scanner. So they get a body fat scan. We walk them through that. And then throughout the challenge, they get additional scans and that sort of stuff. So trying to add in that nutrition piece as well as the uh, fitness piece. Yeah, that's, that's awesome that you, you layer the in-body on top of that because, you know, you CrossFitters, you know, they track everything religiously. They can, almost everybody can tell you their PR on every workout, every, you know, every lift or whatever. And then if you're in a data-driven environment anyway, you have something like an in-body and it's like, this doesn't tell you if you're a good person or a bad person. It just gives you a starting point. And here's where you are, right? It does, it's, it's non, there's nothing subjective about it. It's like, here you are, let's look at this in another six to eight weeks and see how much progress you make. So I love adding in, you know, some technology I find a little gimmicky, a little kind of flash in the pan, but I think the in-body is, is really, it's consistent and accurate enough to really like follow somebody along their journey and, and add value to the membership especially for like people that are new to CrossFit that come in and they're like oh I want to lose 20 pounds and you know they come in in that first week they lose like five pounds they're like great and then by that second or third week they're only losing a pound or two and they're like what's happening and well if you don't have the in body and they just look at a, a scale they're like I've only lost you know two pounds this week but being able to incorporate that in body you know um, after that first month and showing yeah you've only lost seven pounds, but look at this, you've lost 20 pounds of fat and you've gained, you know, six pounds of muscle or whatever the math adds up to be. And so showing that to them to, you know, a lot of times that really uh, helps reaffirm that what they're doing is working. Yeah. It's like having an unbiased expert opinion that you can pull in at, at any time. And I always make the joke that in, in this business and other ones, I always feel like like Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. It's like, oh, I, you know, let me call in a buddy, right? But in this case, the in body is, is it might as well be the in buddy because, like, hey, this is this is real. Like, I didn't teach you how to fake this thing. This is this is what really happened. So, yeah, really, really cool piece of of equipment to layer into what you're already doing. So, I want to switch gears a little bit. Tell me about your staff. You know, how many trainers do you have? Who's full time? Who's part time? How much are you as the owners doing? Sure. Um, right now we have uh, six trainers, coaches, and of that, all of them are part-time trainers. Uh, and then we have the three owners. I coach probably about, uh, it varies from week to week, anywhere from five hours some weeks to as much as 15 hours another week. Um, so I'm doing a decent amount of coaching still too. Uh, the other owners currently aren't doing a whole lot of coaching. Uh, one of them does, uh, we just started up doing some kids class stuff. So cool. she's kind of in charge of that. So she'll do about two to four hours each week of kids class stuff. And 
our third owner is um, traveling a lot. So she does all the stuff that I don't like, which is like accounting stuff. And I, she, she's in charge of the, the money because otherwise I spend it all on equipment and toys and stuff. <laughs> toys. Gym owners love toys. I, yeah. I for sure did. That's, that's, that's cool. So do you have anybody who's in a, uh, in a head coaching role or supervisory role with the coaching staff? Not right now. Um, we lost our head coach in May of this year mm -hmm. and took on another coach that has, uh, you know, very similar experience and knowledge. Um, just not into that full-time position at this point yet. Got it. Got it. And what percentage of the people that coach for you were also members before they became coaches for you? Um, 90%. Yeah, the one that just came on in May was the only one that he wasn't a member before, and he had previous coach previously coached in the area, and he actually came to our gym for uh, to do Murph, and really liked the experience. And you know, we had chatted about uh, possibly coaching, and based on that, he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to come coach here." So, CrossFit is uh, is probably one of the best models for for homegrown talent, and I love that you for the most part are based on that. It doesn't mean you can't take someone from outside who's a good fit, but knowing that the community has people who are super excited about training and helping other people and want to do it there is, is always a great feeling. So I know you, you started to dip into talking about kids classes a little bit, and we'll talk about that. Um, what other things, I know you, you have nutrition that goes along with your challenge. So what other things are you like, do you offer nutrition coaching as a as an a la carte, can somebody just get it? You have kids classes, you know, what other things are you adding on? Do you have uh, accountability services? Do you have, you know, uh, apparel, supplements, things like that? Like what are the ancillary things that you have uh, for revenue streams and service in the gym? Yeah, we have a um, pretty good selection of apparel and that's uh, one of the bigger things I think that we've changed since ownership is a constant um, fluctuation of what we have for, shirts because every CrossFit athlete needs to have a sh new shirt every month I think it's like a it's like a, you know welcoming to CrossFit so we do that um we did do some previously did some nutrition stuff um as supplement stuff we currently don't do any of that now um I, outside of that uh we do offer some of the a la carte stuff um it just uh, at this point you know we're still pretty we're still only a year in, so kind of trying to figure out how to market that to our current athletes and uh, really get them behind it. And then we also offer one-on-one uh, -on -one goal planning, so working with our athletes that want to, you know, get that next level, accomplish a certain movement, um, programming for those those athletes and kind of helping them understand what they need to get there. Awesome. So you are at least peripherally starting to get into adding other things and not just in the mindset of we do CrossFit, it's group classes, we do a little PT. If you want anything else, that's not us. You're, you're trying to give the value that the clients need to kind of stay along their journey, but taking it on in, in small pieces to make sure you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, as much as we can do in-house for them, I think is is helpful, especially from like a nutrition and supplement standpoint, um, being able to add those into the fitness environment, I think goes hand in hand, in hand if they're 
able to, you know, they already have established a trust in us and seeing results in that fitness area. So adding in that nutrition piece, adding in the supplements um, to help them progress even more is, I think is important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're all things that eventually somebody who's a fitness consumer, an athlete, however you'd, you'd label them, somebody who's doing um, some type of workout on a regular basis, they're, they're going to want those things or need them at some point. So if you're not offering it to them, then they're going to go looking for, you know, it's, it's going to be somebody who probably they trust less than you and your staff. So whatever recommendations you can get are usually pretty well received. How financially viable they are is, is tough, especially when you get into the nutrition and supplements because there's so much competition and it's so commoditized, but at least you have an offering for them or working on an offering for them so that if they want to do it with you, you have something. So um, I see where, where the gym is right now. And, you know, you're a year, your ownership group is a year into it. What are the long-term plans? Like, where do you see things going in the next, you know, two, three, four years of, of owning, uh, owning the facility? Yeah, you know, we um we kind of talk about it every, at the end of every year. Um, so end of December last year, we came up with some goals for planning for this year. And I think um, for me, my part of it is I'd really like to see the gym uh, membership continue to grow. I'd like to get to that 100 mark and get to um, be able to, you know, not necessarily just have it as just a side hustle. Um, for me, an opportunity to kind of be more involved in, in a day-to-day basis and for members um, to just be able to have more options. You know, um, we added in an open gym option for later in the evening. I think it'd be nice to continue to add in things that maybe are more specific to gym members, like adding in a master's class is kind of one of the thing pieces that I've talked about. And then also um, a big part of it for us is that kids aspect of it. We want to continue to grow that and continue to work with kids um we were part of it when we added the kids program was that we want to make sure that we're giving back so um our goal is if we are able to get enough members that we're taking a certain percentage of that and allocating it towards like a scholarship so if there's kids out there that are wanting to do crossfit but it doesn't fit into their income you know being able to say, hey, yeah, we have a scholarship for that. We can add, we can have this scholarship and you can come in and do CrossFit with the, your, your friends and that sort of stuff. I love that, man. It, it, that definitely goes beyond the, the numbers of the bottom line. Of, we just want to be more profitable and, and all that stuff. It's, it's really like finding different ways you can give back uh, and just using the business as a vehicle to do that. So um, I know you said, you know, growing, you know, maybe another 20, 30 members is, is probably a big tipping point for you. Um, so getting them in is, is definitely one thing that you have to do to get there. Are there any other, any other challenges that you see, any other, you know, skills that you need to acquire, anything that you see as an, uh, as an obstacle for getting to that point that you're working on or, or have on your, uh, on your radar? Um. For me, I would say probably just uh, consistency again and just finding opportunities that work for all of these athletes, um, all these people, potential athletes, you know, as we grow, then you're going, then we'll run into the classes that are probably hitting that flex point of where um, I feel like they're getting 
good quality coaching. Um, I've always said I like that number less than 10. And I know that there's, even now there's been times where we've been doing a challenge where some of the classes are that 10 to 15 range and it's, and, you know, just um, being aware of that and being able to plan for that with either an assistant coach or additional classes and that sort of stuff. Man, I love when people talk about assistant coaches because it's always, it's always a weird thing where somebody will say, well, I can't have this many people in class because the quality will go down. And I'm like, you know, you can have more than one, one person helping. Right. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's just, it's that eye opener and it doesn't have to be, you know, two stud level for CrossFit certified coaches. Right. It can be, that can be part of your feeder system into building new coaches, or there are always people, especially in the CrossFit ecosphere that just want to help. And maybe they're not ready to coach their own class, or maybe they never will be, but maybe they can help with some, I call it crowd control or pointing things out or, or doing some of the more basic stuff so that people get more touch points. And I think it's, it's awesome that you are aware that that's a possibility and it's something that you, you would do. So, you know, again, good for you for having this awareness. And I think sometimes that comes from being a member for a certain amount of time too, is like, oh, this is what I would do. We all have those notes that we scribble, whether, you know, literally or metaphorically, oh, if I was in charge, I would do this, right? And now you get to see where some of them, some of them work and some of them won't, but you get to try them and it's, uh, it's your own little kind of incubator of where you want the business to go. So I think that. Yeah, I think, you know, with that comes, you know, you know, you're always, when you don't own the gym, you're always like, oh, I would run it so much better doing it this way. And, you know, you have to be able to be, when you do own it, be able to be humble and be able to say, okay, well, this idea that I had definitely didn't work. And, you know, being open and listening to not only the other, the coaches and owners, but also the gym members. I think those are your best source of feedback is if, you know, we uh, bought two assault bikes in last year in the in you know a lot of the times um the for me it was the assault bike was a piece of equipment I wanted it was definitely not uh, for a lot of the members but you know not just list, listening to the feedback from them and then being able to say well okay this is this is why we do this or in some cases okay this you know maybe we shouldn't be doing this uh, and you know being able to be flexible to kind of hit what our clients want at the same time not just bending over to every you know request and, and neither just finding that balance to make our make our athletes happy but still give them the best experience yeah yeah that's uh <laughs> it happens right it's easy to hear one or two people say something we need something we should do something and then in your head it's everybody must want this right yep. and then, all right let me let me bring this back let me let me figure out and it's going to be great having partners that you can say Hey, have you guys heard this? Or what do you think? Or this is what I think. And sometimes that loud minority can, can get in your head on a multitude of things. So again, you know, everything that I hear from you is just awareness of like, this could get out of hand, or maybe it did and you've learned from it, but you know where all these steps are. So um, as we run down on time here, I think perfectly sets us up. One of my favorite questions is, you know, you've, you've been at your gym for, you know, four plus years, you've been an owner for about a year, you have, you know, you have a business mind outside of fitness, but now applying it. If there was something you could go back and tell yourself before you became an owner, whether it was, 
I should have this piece of advice or I should do it sooner or whatever it is. Do you think there's one thing that you'd like to tell yourself, whether it's a year or two or, or three years ago before you were uh, in the position you are now that would serve you best? Uh, yeah, probably. I would probably tell myself just to think about the big picture constantly. Like I, there's been times where, you know, I've been sidetracked by, you know, regular career or regular life. And um, I think to have a successful gym, you have to be at, at the very least constantly aware of what's going on. And I think um, even with having three owners, you know, we all have our day jobs, we all have our life. And I think that for me, the concept of owning a gym and wanting it to be successful means that you have to be aware of what's going on in your gym and you have to be ready to, you know, communicate with your members for is a big part of it is when I came into it. Um, I think that's an aspect that I'm not a fairly, I chat with the people at the gym when I'm there. Um, but outside of that, I'm not a very uh, outgoing person. So uh, adding that piece in, I think would is very beneficial um, hitting touch points for your members, being able to chat with them and see and being aware of when they're, hey, this member hasn't been there for a week, I should reach out. And I think um, for me, that was kind of an aspect that I didn't really think about when purchasing the gym. And you know, in retrospect, I think that's probably the biggest thing to keep in mind. Perfect. So you're it's really sounds like a, a balance, right? Knowing what you need and what you want as a, as a business owner, where you want to take it, but not losing sight of what's actually going on in what the business, the members, the clients, what it wants back from you and not trying to push too far in your direction or let it push you too far away from what you're really there for, which is ultimately to be successful so that the business can stay in existence, help more people and be a, a worthwhile investment of your time and your capital. Yeah, that's it. You know, um, at the end of the day, my biggest goal for the gym is the success stories. Um, had a member that came up to, we were chatting the other day. I was, she was saying how, how well she did on the previous workout. And I was telling her how, how much she's evolved and how, how, how successful she's been in like the last six months. And, and her comment to me was like, it's because of you, you know, you've pushed me, you've helped me when I need to. And that's what I want to hear. Not necessarily that it's because of me, but just that they're hitting those goals and that, you know, that I played some sort of role in, in helping them get there and be successful. And whether it's losing weight or getting a muscle up or, you know, whatever it is, being able to help them get there is for me is the big win. Absolutely. I think that there aren't too many people who, who get into the business uh, especially, you know, in the group fitness, the micro gym space where it's just about money and investment. It's, you know, this is really awesome and I want to keep getting this feeling, but, oh, hey, by the way, my time has value. So it needs to be a business, but it's really like the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and makes you want to look at that Google sheet that you really hate looking at or, or clean the floor or whatever it is, is the high fives, the hugs, the stories, the, you know, seeing somebody's kids, you know, excited because mom and dad can play with them, whatever the case it is. Like, yeah, that's, that's a, a check that a bank can't cash for sure. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, we are officially out of time before I let you go. People listening out there, if they want to find you, if they want to reach out, 
talk to you personally or check out the gym, where can they find you online? Uh, social media, Cheyenne River CrossFit uh, is our name and on Facebook, that's we're under that and Instagram. And then if uh, you're looking on the website, just CheyenneRiverCrossFit.com. Otherwise, a Google search for West Fargo CrossFit gym will show up there. Perfect. And the spelling of everything will be in the show notes. So if you are looking for Cheyenne River CrossFit, check out the notes, give them a Google, like all their social media, follow them on everything, show them some love. Ryan, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You are welcome, sir. And as always, to everybody out there listening, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate you spending some of your day, some of your time with us. We hope you found value in this. If you want to hear more episodes, click that subscribe button, get notified when they drop. If you want to be on the show, talk about your business model, your entrepreneurial journey, click the link in the description, fill out the form. Someone from the team will get in touch with you ASAP and we will get you on. To everybody out there in Gym Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.